0: Well, good morning. I want to greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Thank you, Lee, for teaching us that new song. It's a nice song. Hopefully, we can uh, get to know it a little bit better and uh, sing a little more confidently. So, last time I preached, which was two weeks ago, I'd started a series. Uh, looking at the teachings of Jesus through uh, the book of Luke. And the question that was going through my mind was basically, what does it mean to be a Christian? And there's different ideas about that. And it depends who you ask, you might get a different answer. Um, But my conclusion was that basically, basically comes to what we do with Jesus. And so I wanted to look Examine uh, the teachings of Jesus. What did Jesus say? And uh, think about this, this question how we, how we live out what Jesus said. Because that's, that's what it means to be a Christian, to, to live it out. And in so doing, we might find that there are many people who call themselves Christians, but aren't really living like Jesus taught. And the goal is not to single out anybody or to point fingers or look at failures, but to look into our own lives. If that's where we say we're at, uh, to examine our own lives. Am I following Jesus? Am I showing to the world what it means to be a Christian? And the theme that I want to keep in mind as we look at this is the Lordship of Jesus. Is Jesus Lord? You know, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, but don't do the things that I say? So we want to make sure that our profession is not just empty words, and we don't come to that day and realize that we didn't mean it. So, started in in Luke 6 last week, uh, looking at the Beatitudes uh, from uh, Luke's perspective here. And we see Jesus is setting up a different value system. He gives blessing to things that we wouldn't normally call blessed and and he uh, pronounces woe on things that we might not think are are all that bad. And it's basically a different value system. If we're at a position of advantage in the world, if everything is going well, we're at a disadvantaged position from the kingdom of heaven. Because we can, in that supposedly disadvantaged position, we can better focus on what really matters, on the kingdom of God. We see that, that uh, given in the Beatitudes, blessed are you poor, and when you weep, and when you're spoken evil of. So I'd like to continue in, in Luke chapter 6, um, moving on with, with what he, he goes to after this. Uh, And it's that same theme of of different values. So you can turn with me to Luke 6. um, And it's a topic that many Christians have struggled with throughout the ages. Um, Tried to rationalize uh, their way around it, to excuse it. Maybe some have rejected it altogether. And it's a thought of loving your enemies. And that's what the focus is this morning. Looking at what Jesus has to say about loving your enemies. So the title for the message is the law of love. And to, to open, I want to read uh, two verses from John 13. You don't have to turn there, but just as an introduction, the words of Jesus. John 13, verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men shall know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. So here, Jesus is giving a commandment. He says, it's a new commandment that I'm giving. It's a law, and it's just the law of love. And even more so, it's an identifier. He says, by this, all men shall know that you are my disciples by your love. I think about accents, sometimes you can just tell where a person is from by the way they talk. They open their mouth and you're not from around here, are you? And to have that same idea of our actions, acting in love, that's different. It's an identifier. A Christian is identified by the law of love. And when Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, what did he say? He said, love God, love your neighbor. And he said everything else is, is hanging on those two commandments. So the law of love. Love is at the root of being a Christian. Everything just kind of ties into this. Paul says that the law is fulfilled with love. So um, it's not just a superficial love that says one thing and, and doesn't live it out, but one that's, that's uh, easily identified, that sacrifices. And we'll see it's, there's no exceptions to this either. It's not just for those who treat us right or, or fairly, but everybody, even our enemies. So let's read the passage. I think uh, I'll start in verse 27, which is where we left off last time. And I'll read through verse 36. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer him also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asks of thee, and of him that takes away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies and do good And lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. So I don't know what your thoughts were as we read through that. But really, it's, it's some hard things that Jesus is asking of his followers. And there again, the lordship of Jesus. Is Jesus Lord? The main theme that I see coming through this passage is the law of love. This law that applies everywhere. It's not just when it's easy, not just to our friends, those who are doing good to us in return, but everywhere, even those who don't deserve it, our enemies. And there's a certain attitude or spirit that is shown in a person like this. It shows a person who is living by a different standard, different values. And I would say that we are all imperfect representations of God's character. And we see that Jesus lays this out. This this is our goal. And we all fall short of that in, in, in some way or other. But this is what Jesus lays out. Let's, let's look through what he says in, in this passage here. Love your enemies. And I think this one kind of captures all the, the rest that, that follow. Who is our enemy? Well, the one who hates you. The one who's cursing you. Despitefully using you. Hitting on the cheek. You know, that's, that's our enemy. The law of love doesn't apply just when we feel like it or when we think it should. Uh, but it's, it's our enemies as well. And, and this is very counterintuitive. We don't like to, to think about that. And it's not something that's practiced very often. Unfortunately, even among Christians. And I, I can add myself to that. It's, it's hard loving your enemies. And you know, we probably don't have a lot of people that we would consider enemies. Um, I just have to think about uh, myself, driving on the road, think of road rage and, and people just do uh, uh, yeah, very aggressive driving and you know, pull out in front of you or whatever. And I just have to have to teach them a lesson. But no, just restrain. Love do, do to others. What you would want them to do to you? There was an early Christian, uh, I'm not sure exactly what year, around 200, the year two hundred or three hundred, named Tertullian, who made the comment that this is something that is unique among Christians. Everything else, we are the same as as the pagans. We do good things for our friends, and we, you know, are are you know help helping out uh, in different ways, but The the, the difference. What it comes down to is we love our enemies. And it's interesting to to read through early Christian writings. This this was a theme. We love our enemies. That's something nobody was saying, especially in in that world. I don't know if any of you get the Voice of the Martyrs publication. Um, I've gotten that for a number of years. They send a monthly or bi-monthly magazine and each one has about three or four different stories of people, current day Christians, who are facing incredible persecution. And it's, it's very inspiring and also humbling to read through those stories and to think about what's going on today for Christians. And the theme that keeps coming up in, in their stories is loving your enemies. You see that different times in the stories that they write. They say, we know that Jesus calls us to this, to love our enemies. And it's hard. You can see in their testimony that it's not easy for them to do that, but they know this, this is what God expects. And, and really, it's only by the grace of God that we are able to do this. It's not something that we can just muster up on our own strength. It's a changed heart that can love an enemy and I think so often we try to rationalize and yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of this myself. You know loving your enemies Jesus was talking about our heart and as long as our heart is right then we can do whatever we want to just have to have to have the right heart and right motives um, and then we can engage in war and in self-defense or whatever it might be, you know, for the greater good and that's that's the just war theory. I don't know if you ever heard that articulated um, and it sounds something like that um, it, just as long as the heart is right. But it's, it's, it's rationalizing and, and it's, it comes from a place that we can't think that Jesus could have really meant what he said. but what's on the inside is going to come out. And Jesus says, in verse 27, he says, do good to those who hate you. It's not just think good or have, have good intentions. I think it's easy to trust God when we agree with God and, and we understand. Yes, I understand that. I can see how that makes sense. Yes, I will, I will obey that. But when we don't understand, when we don't trust, we we can't wrap our minds around how this could possibly work. That's when the true test comes. And I think last week's sermon fits in well with this. Jim talked about the story of Abraham offering Isaac and just the sense that God will provide. We don't know where it's going to come from. But are we following through with obedience? And it's true; sometimes it does end very badly, from our natural perspective. You think about the stories that people tell. There's there's some heart-wrenching stories, and it brings to mind. I I think Voice of the Martyrs, their radio publication, their, their introduction has uh, mention of Jesus' words. He said, "I send you out as sheep among wolves." and we don't like the picture that gives, but it's, it's, it's happening in our world today and that's how Christians are sometimes. And I think at the same time, it, it can be a, a testimony. People are drawn to Jesus as they witness people loving their enemies and, and there's testimonies of that as well. People who were persecutors. And interrogators for these Christians, they witness the strength that they have in loving their enemies, not fighting back. And they're, they're drawn to Jesus. It's, it's a, a very loud testimony of God's goodness and, and a changed heart. And that was one of the, the aspects of early Anabaptists. Um, they actually called themselves defenseless Christians. The early, early Mennonites sort of would have taken that label. We are defenseless. We don't defend ourselves. We probably heard the story of Dirk Willems before, um, early Anabaptist. 1569 was the year he was imprisoned for some type of offense uh, regarding being an Anabaptist, whether it was preaching or rebaptizing people. And, and he was imprisoned. And, and at one point, he was able to make an escape and he was running away, and, and there were pursuers chasing after him, and he crossed a, a frozen creek or river of some kind, and his pursuer is running after him over the ice as well, and he breaks through the ice. Um, he, he fell through, and Dirk Willem Willems looks behind and, and sees his pursuer struggling in the icy water, and He made the decision to turn around and pull his pursuer out of the ice, probably saving his life. And you would think that uh, an act like that would would get you released, Um, have some clemency shown. But no, he was put back in prison, and ultimately he was executed um, for his beliefs. It's something we don't see very often reaching out in compassion to the one who wants to take your life but i think that's what jesus is talking about showing love even when it is least deserved and jesus gave this example as well willingly offering himself to die he didn't fight back and he's even forgiving those who were crucifying him we're called to do the same So what all does that involve loving your enemies and it's almost like he anticipated us not quite understanding and he he describes it with specific scenarios. And uh, let's go over these scenarios that he gives. He says, verse 28, bless them that curse you, so a curse is to wish evil on someone her response should be to bless and to wish well on on that person. Taking the high road, incredibly difficult. You know, it's one thing to remain neutral and just to to not say anything, to hold back what we really want to say. But the way of the Christian is to respond with blessing. And, And that can only come from a spirit of genuine love. I have to think about court settings you know, sentencing. Sometimes you can see these reactions coming out. There's a guilty person of some egregious crime. And then you have the family on the other side, just sometimes you can hear evil wishes. I hope you rot in jail, whatever it might be. But there's also stories of families who forgive. And it's just a beautiful thing to see. We forgive. We hope you find the Lord in jail, whatever might happen, wishing well, and that's the response of a Christian. <clears throat> he says to pray for those who despitefully use you. I don't know if you've ever had that happen before. Somebody just does something out of spite. And there's no real reason for it. It's, it's a spiteful action. Can we identify with that? Has that ever happened? And, and what do we want to do when we experience that? We want to defend ourselves. Sometimes for myself, there's mental conversations where I just tell, tell the person what, what it's really like. Do we ever think to pray for that person? Let's take it to God. Or are we busy vindicating ourselves, trying to get our dignity back? <clears throat> it takes love, loving your enemies, a genuine love in your heart to be able to pray for that person. Turning the other cheek, verse 29, him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer the other also. We've heard the phrase, turn the other cheek. This is where it comes from. It all starts with a slap on the face. And most times that would lead to a fight. And that's just the natural reaction. I've seen it happen before. People getting into a fight. And I, I remember I had somebody telling me one time that, you know, if that happens, you've got to stand up for yourself. You have to fight back. If you just turn around and walk away, you are you're, you're showing yourself to be a coward and, and you're losing. You automatically lose. You've got to give some pushback. And, and that's the worldly mentality. And, and uh, you know, I, I can't let them get away with that. But, and I'll give it to him. That's probably true if I'm a worldly perspective. Um, he's, he's probably right. But Jesus is saying that's not the thought pattern of the Christian who's living by the law of love. What's the hardest thing to do in that kind of situation? Um, to, to fight back or to walk away? And it, it, uh, or, or even do what Jesus says, offer the other cheek. It takes incredible strength to do what Jesus is asking here. And the next scenario that he gives is pretty weighty as well. He says, and him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat. Also, talking about somebody stealing, somebody taking. I'm not sure exactly what the context would have been here. He's referring to Roman soldiers who just took what they wanted. I'm not sure. But someone taking your things. He says, don't stop someone from stealing from you. <clears throat> At this point, we might say, well, wait a minute. This is going a little far. Um, does Jesus really expect us to let a thief ransack our house and just not do anything? And if that's our thought, which it's, it's mine as well. I I am, yeah, trying to process this? How do do we live this out? We need to take a step back and just think about what is life all about? What is important in life? What has lasting value? And we we think back to the Beatitudes that Jesus gave just prior to this. Blessed are you poor, woe to you rich. A moment goes to the story of the rich young ruler He came to jesus what what must i do and jesus says well go and sell what you have and give to the poor and he didn't want to do it he was holding tightly to what he had so maybe we have too tight of a grasp on what we call our own do we have the right perspective on possessions and it's hard i i Agree, it is, it is so hard to trust, but, but this shows a different playing field. It shows different standards. God's playing field looks a whole lot different than the world's playing field. The natural reaction to this of a, from a person of the world is different than the reaction of a Christian. There's a, a story when we were out in South Dakota Um, actually had something like this happen to us. It was uh, early in the morning and I was uh, maybe six in the morning. I was just waking up and opened my eyes and I see a head looking in our bedroom door. And I was still half asleep. And I was all of a sudden I was like, wait, this is not right. Something's wrong. Uh, And I looked over and you know, that was that was not Joel. Um, somebody's in our house. So I quick got out of bed and, and sure enough, there's, there's a stranger in the hallway. And I, I just didn't know what to do. He was just calmly walking down the hallway. And I just I, I, instinct, I, I forget exactly what I said, but I, something like, hello, do you need something? Or and he just calmly walks out the front door takes off out across the yard. And he didn't, he didn't steal anything. But I, I don't think I was thinking about theology in, in that moment. Um, some of these scenarios that, that you can think of, um, you, you, you have an idea what what you should do. But I think a lot of times when the moment comes, it, it's down to instinct and, and what's inside is going to come out. And Yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard to know what to do that that time. it, It yeah, nothing bad happened. I was talking to some other people in town, some non Christians about what happened and the response that they told me would have been a lot different than how it turned out. They said if that would have happened in their house, there would have been some gunfire and that would have not ended the same way. And I've, I've been working in houses where you see people are ready for self-defense. And one, one image comes to my mind. I was in a, somebody's bedroom and there was a handgun draped around the, the headboard and ammo, uh, plenty of ammo there. And, and it's, yeah, what, what do we do? How do we love someone who's stealing from us? Another thing we need to keep in mind is is the framework that the context that this is given in. Um, that, that's the law of love. So loving loving someone who's stealing from you. Jesus tells us how to do that. And and it's it's hard, and and honestly I can understand how somebody would look at this, and say, well that's that's ridiculous. That is illogical. I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's. From a world perspective, I can see that. You have to be serious about following Jesus to obey what he's saying here. And I I understand if there's pushback. But I think if we continue to have a worldly perspective on possessions, we're not going to be able to do this. The next scenario that he gives is uh, giving verse 30. Give to every man that asks of thee. <clears throat> and this one we wonder about as well. Every time, what, what about the scenarios? And you know, it, it involves, a, again, a proper perspective on possessions. Is what I have mine? And it goes back to the values that that Jesus gave before. Blessed are you poor. And it's just an outworking of that. It's how it plays out. The true Christian should be willing to give. And we can talk about all the scenarios, what could happen, what might happen, what has happened. Um, But we just need to step back and look at the, the bigger picture. What's the principle? Jesus is giving us values to live by and this value I believe is generosity. And are we unwilling to let go of something because we don't want to let go of of what we have? Are we holding things with a tight fist? And some people are naturally more generous than others. But what does it say about us if we are unwilling to give? In our Sunday school lessons, we're going through 1 John, and I think it was last week's lesson. 1 John 3 was was, uh, our lesson. And verses 17 and 18 say, Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So John is referencing the law of love here as well. This, this rule that we're to act by, love, if you see a need, and you're unwilling to, to give, uh, what, what does that say about us? And, and that being said, I do think there are times when giving is not showing love. Is the need truly there? And, and honestly, this opens up a whole other topic that I don't feel that I'm qualified to, to cover. And there are books written on this. There's a book titled uh, When Helping Hurts. Thinking about this question, when, when helping, you're trying to help and giving. It actually is hurting. And Gary Miller wrote a book about this as well. The Other Side of the Wall, maybe you've read that book, it's the same question. Um, so I, I uh, would, would refer to, to them and their wisdom, what they have uh, discussed. But I, I don't believe that giving is always showing love. Sometimes it's just covering up a symptom and there's, there's a, a need that's deeper. Um, and, and I feel like I'm breaking the rules with rationalizing this here and giving myself an excuse. Um, there, there's, there's tension there with what I'm saying with the rest. And, and with this one here, I think it takes a lot of wisdom to know how to handle each situation. I just remember one time, in Philadelphia, I forget exactly what, what the scenario was, but there was a, a beggar asking for money. He wanted $10. He said, I'm hungry, I want to buy a hoagie. And I was compelled to, to give. And he, he saw that I was ready to give. He was right over there and, and I pulled out my wallet and all I had was a 20. And I could tell, he, he could probably tell the hesitation and he said, oh, I got change for you. And he gave me change. So it was a business. Um, He could have had that sub if he wanted. But saying that the last thing I want to do is quench anyone's desire to give. I don't want to do that. Like I said, it takes wisdom. And and there's a lot more that could be said, but we don't want to miss the principle, the law of love coupled together with a godly view of possessions. What's really important? The soul of my enemy is more important than my things. So giving is a lot easier when we have that proper perspective of things. Let's not let our selfish desires, our, our tight fist mentality, get in the way of someone's need. Give to him that asks. And then lastly, in verse 31, he gives what we call the golden rule. As you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. Instead of basing my actions off of what other people do to me, just always um, treat them the way I want to be treated. And it's something I try to instill in our children, the golden rule. How do you want to be treated? Well, treat other people that way. And it's the, the law of love in a nutshell, I believe. You can think of it like a rose or a, a flower giving off a fragrance. And it's, it's that sweet smell that it doesn't matter how it's treated. It, it's still there. It gives that same smell. It's, if it's handled very carefully or if it's trampled and, and crushed, it's, it's, it's still there because that's part of its buildup. That's what it is. It gives off that fragrance. Is that true of us? No matter how we're treated, we still have that same response of love. So Jesus then moves on to what I'll call natural law in verses 32 to 34. Love for love. If you love those who love you, what, what reward is that? If you do good to those who do good to you, lend, hoping to receive back. He said there's nothing unusual about that. What, what uh, what thank have ye? That's normal. I've heard it called mutual respect. If you respect me, I'll respect you. And that's uh, it's natural. Maybe there's some exceptions to that, but that's, that's how society works. But there's no credit in that. That's what everybody does. And Jesus is saying, that's not what I'm talking about. Jesus is calling us to a higher standard. So that's that's natural law. This is something higher. One of the biggest tests for a Christian is to be able to show love and respect for um, even when we're not given the same. And that says something to people who look on. They're able to see. There's a different standard there. And then verse 35, he he just gives a summary of, of what he said. Verse 35, love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing again. Yeah, that's giving. If you lend without expecting anything back. And there's a reward for following this law of love. That great is your reward. And, and uh, also, in, in living in this way, we're reflecting God's character. He said, you shall be the children of the highest. Ch- uh, children of the most high. We've heard the phrase, like father, like son. Uh, and this applies here too. Christians will act like their father. And, and uh, our father is, is the most high. And that, that's, this is what God does. God is kind to the unthankful, to the evil. Jesus himself showed love to his enemies while he was crucified. And the closing comment in verse 36, at least for this section, be merciful as your father is merciful. Called to imitate God's character of mercy. In light of God's mercy to us, we're obligated to show that to others. We can look at the parable of the unforgiving servant. Now he was forgiven this great debt, but then he goes out and was not willing to forgive a minor uh, debt against him. So all these things that Jesus is telling us to do basically showing us a different way of life. It's a higher standard. And I think it shows a person who's living in total surrender to God. Living in trust. Trusting God. We, we don't understand. I don't understand. But this is someone who has let go of what the world calls valuable and is walking on that narrow path that leads to life as Jesus says. That's not easy. It involves some hard things, hard things that we just don't understand. It's not always that it's going to turn out in the best way. And I don't think God expects us to understand all the time. Sometimes we just have to obey because that's what he's laid out. The main theme here is the law of love that applies no matter how worthy the other person is no matter how they've treated us, this is what Jesus taught us to do. Is Jesus truly Lord? And you know, we're all growing. None of us are perfect, I'm not perfect. We're on a journey of growing closer to this standard and uh, trusting God to work out the details. And let's show to the world what living by the law of love looks like, living with Jesus as Lord. Why don't we have a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you for your word. And we admit that we don't understand all the time. There are some difficult things that you lay out for us. And we have to bring ourselves to the position of trust. And I pray that whatever life may bring to each one of us this week, I pray that we would be able to have this spirit of love to others. In our interactions, um, I pray that you would help us to show what it means to be a Christian, to live by love, and to obey you. Help us to be faithful in that. Pray for your guidance as we go from here. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.